0: well cheer up little sunshine girl there's lots of pain in this cruel world lots of rain falls on you girl But cheer up little sunshine girl oh it's gonna be all right all right i want you to know that You've come a long, 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 long way. And you've still got a long way to go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Maxwell Ivy known around the world as The Blind Blogger. And this is another episode of What's Your Excuse? Where I'm going to challenge you to overcome your, your excuses and find solutions and go after those big goals and dreams you have. And I do that by bringing you interviews with people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances, people who have struck out on their own and started unique businesses, people who have real world tested advice that they can share with you to help you make progress towards your goals and people who I just happen to find personally interesting or inspiring in my own life. And you can find the show at theblindblogger.net. You can also go to what'syourexcuseshow.com. Uh, you can say, hey, Alexa, play what's your excuse or OK, Google, ask for what's your excuse. You can also find us on Roku at Knob TV, soon to be also on IBM TV. And again, everything goes back to the blind dot net. I do also hope you will visit my sponsor, Chip Edwards from create my dot com. He is the expert in voice branding. He will help you get your podcast blog or both out there where people can find them on Alexa and Google. They'll also be able to listen to your content on the app, those related apps, even the wearables like the iWatch. Uh, people will be able to listen to your stuff wherever and whenever they want to. And this is a growing market with millions of new users every day. And if you're not there, you are really missing out. And, uh Chip can t- can tell you all about creating a, a complete voice branding strategy that will protect your brand as well as grow it. So again, that's createmyvoice.com. So today, um, I'm starting the beginning of, uh, of something kind of new for me. I was recently contacted by people from OrCam, which is a company that makes a wearable that helps the visually impaired uh, navigate life by... Uh, describing or reading things, anything from printed material to street signs. And I hear they can even identify individuals if uh, if the individual has been put into the memory of the little device. We'll find out more about that later. But they have a group of people, some amazing visually impaired people or amazing people who happen to be visually impaired. They wanted me to to tell more people about. And so today we're having our first visit with one of the OrCam Dream Team. And that's kind of a side note. her name is Kalari Gertley, and she has a, a great story, a lifelong experience with vision loss and with uh, overcoming the roadblocks associated with that. She is uh, 36 years old, although I don't know if just because they put an age in a bio means I'm supposed to read it or not. Um, married to a, uh, to a man who is also visually impaired, three kids, which, you know, just just that, raising three kids where both, both both parents are visually impaired. I'm sure that there's a story there. Um, she is a SB award winner for her participation in Beat Baseball, which is a, a version of baseball for the blind to play and enjoy. And just for those of my listeners who aren't sports people who don't know what the ESPY is, that's like the sports version of the Grammy for musicians or the Emmy for a television program or an Oscar for motion picture production or for people who work in those fields. So it's a big deal. Uh, you can find Kalari at, uh, I'm gonna give you her Twitter feed first, which is Gertley Kalari at Gertley Kalari. You can also find out more about her from the Lighthouse for the Blind in Chicago, which is uh, a place that supports the visually impaired as well as supporting veterans. And that's at chicagolighthouse.org. So, Kalari, uh, thank you for suffering through my long introduction, and welcome to What's Your Excuse?
1: <laughs> thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm happy to have you here. Um, just talking to you before, um, I think we're going to have a great conversation, and, uh, and I'm hoping we are going to uh, encourage more people to realize that there are, are more solutions out there if they are just willing to uh, search for them. So... Um. Why don't you start by telling us uh, a little bit about your, uh, about your life and, you know, maybe start uh, when you first started losing your vision and how that happened. And some of the things that uh, that w- in your life were affected by it, maybe things even that were improved
1: by it. So Okay, <laughs> no problem. Um, I would be happy to. So um, I, as you mentioned in the opening, um. Married with three beautiful children, um, all that good stuff. So I always tell people I have two halves of my life. Before I, before my life was dark, and then afterwards. Um, so up until the age of six, I had just a normal little kid's life. I mean, I'm the youngest of two of three. I have two older brothers. Um, my parents, middle class parents here on Chicago South Side, and I um, always was a tomboy. It's because I had brothers, So I used to like to race, wrestle. I was very competitive, even at that young age. So up until six, I was just the normal preschooler, kindergarten. I, I was the fastest in my class, in the kindergarten class. I could beat all the boys and running. in. Um, I wanted to be a basketball player. My hero, like any kid in Chicago, was Michael Jordan. Um, so I, I wanted to be a basketball player. I had all these dreams. Um, so then at the age of six, First grade. It was in October. I was tall for my age. I was standing in the back of the, I was sitting in the back of the class. And one second, I can see I'm following along with the board. Um, the teacher's writing, uh, something on the board with the chalk. And I can see and just like that in the instant, it was gone. You know, I, I couldn't see anything. Well, I still had light, but I couldn't see Nothing. everything on the screen, I mean, on the screen, <laughs> on the chalkboard was uh, very, very blurry. And then everyone around me became like really blurry um, to me. And I wasn't alarmed by it. You know, I'm just like, oh, you know, maybe I'm sleepy. I, I remember rubbing my eyes repeatedly because I was like, oh, maybe I'm just sleepy. And then after that, I was like, oh, you know, mommy will fix it, you know. Yeah. So um, my teacher wrote a letter home to my parents that day. Um, letting them know that I was squinting really hard at the board. So um, I came home and gave my parents a note. They was like, okay, we're going to take you to the doctor. Now, um, legal blindness does not run in my family, but, you know, eye issues do. Like, all my brothers, they all wear glasses um, just for reading and stuff like that. So <laughs> they just <laughs> thought maybe I might need glasses, you yeah. know? yeah um but then as I was at home my mom was like um Kiki get the, the well Kiki is my nickname so she was like okay. Kiki get the uh get the pencil out the bowl and I'm like well where's the bowl mommy She's like, Kiki it's right there I'm like well I don't see it so she was like something's going on from there so they took me to the doctor maybe a week later uh well as soon as they, I'm not sure how quick they got me but you know, dealing with HMOs and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. As soon as they got me in um, to my pediatrician, she checked my eyes and then uh, they saw fluid behind my eyes. So let me go back to kind of filling that part. When I was born, um, I was a big baby, I was a 10 pound baby, and I had a big head. And my mother used to always say, she has a big head. My dad's like, oh no, that just means she's smart. You know, girlies are smart. And then she said, another thing I will do, my eyes will have what they call sunsetting syndrome. So pretty much my eyes will fall under my eyelids where she only saw the white parts of my eyes. And then she'll snap her finger and then my eyes will pop back up. So she said, this is, something's not right here. You know, being the third child, she knew, this is then not happen with my brothers. So they took me to the doctor and they diagnosed me with hydrocephalus. So hydrocephalus is excessive water buildup on the brain. And at this time I had excessive water on the brain. And they told my parents, if I do not get surgery, my brain is only gonna grow to maybe have room to grow to that of a six-month old. And I, I would be, you know, retarded or I'll end I'll probably end up dying, you know, eventually.
0: Okay. All right. So
1: The correct is they put what they call a shunt in my head. So a shunt is like a tube they insert in your head and it helps drain the water from the brain to the stomach. So uh, they inserted this in my head when I was three months and yeah, everything was great. Um, My hydrocephalus, it, it went down. My pressure was down. Everything was great. So like I said, going back up until the age of six, I had no issues. I was able to run, jump, play, you know, do all, everything a normal kid would do. The doctors did tell me, well, the doctors told my parents that probably around the age of six or seven, I might need a new shunt because usually kids that have shunt issues, they kind of mature fast and they grow fast. So my parents always monitored it. So when I did turn six, my birthday's in January. So around the beginning of the year, they took me to the doctor and they checked me out. They took me to the neurologist and they was like, oh, she's great. Everything's good all that stuff so then October later that year that's when my vision left so um and it was just like I said it was sudden um I didn't have any like any issues like I I didn't have any headaches or anything um you
0: had you had no warning it was coming it just happened exactly like, exactly. being in a, like being in a car crash or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yes, one, exactly. one minute you could see the next minute it was blurry and not too long after that, you know, ne- no vision at all. That's uh, exactly. Met-
1: so it was, um, it was a really eye opener for everyone. They, um, took me to the doctor after they found that it was fluid behind my eyes. They took me to the neurologist children's memorial which is, was a big hospital here at the time it's a new it's under a new name now it's under robert h robert and laurie h memorial now um but i went there and these are some of the best doctors you know in the world there so they did test on me yes it, sure enough the shunt had malfunctioned and the water buildup had occurred and it damaged my octave nerves which is the line you know the nerves that connects the
0: eye right connects the eye to the brain and allows the brain to process the image
1: right so i lost 90 percent of my vision um and from there i've went through several surgeries i had to get a shunt to be placed in my head a new shunt to help help with the fluid drainage But then maybe I was growing so fast that following year, I had a new shunt because I outgrew it. I started just growing super fast. And at this point, I will know, okay something's wrong because I will start having headaches. This is after I lost my vision. So when I have bad, bad headaches and I'm sleeping a lot, that means my shunt is malfunctioning. So I had a surgery at seven, a surgery at eight, a surgery at nine. It took a break, another surgery at 11, another surgery at 13. So I had a lot of surgeries throughout my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, yeah. Yeah.
0: So now um, you, uh, you know, as you're getting into your teenage years, um, what were some of the, uh, what were some of the adaptations that y'all made uh, so that you could, you know, attend school and, uh, and then how do the, how does the lighthouse and beat beat baseball uh, come in, come into your story?
1: Absolutely. So pretty much, um after I lost my vision at six I couldn't understand what was going on with me at all I could not um I couldn't understand why people kept telling me I was blind because in my I could still see it was a light you know but to me that's seeing. I like I can see you know like I'm not blind you know and I was like you're blind uh I immediately I was going to a catholic school at the time January um when I turned seven I got switched to a public school um Skinner Elementary where they specialized in blindness and still, I just did not understand what was going on with me. I didn't understand why I couldn't, I, why everybody was calling me blind. I couldn't understand why I'm with blind folks. I couldn't understand why my parents, not. They used, I couldn't play freely. I couldn't run. And if I ran, I hit things. It was just very confusing. I became a very angry, angry, angry child, okay? Right. Um, at the age of six, after it was diagnosed that I was visually impaired and I'm blind, and I'm going to a, a visually impaired school that teaches how to adapt to being blind. My parent, my dad, he sat me down at the age of six, and he said, listen, your eyes do not work anymore. Um, so this means you can never be average. Because if you're average, you're always going to be behind somebody who has vision. So to be on the same level as anybody with vision, you got to be five steps ahead. you got to work harder to be average. And he told me this at six, which is heavy. <laughs> <right>? like, <laughs>
0: Well, I have heard that um, that you know, not. I don't want to offend nobody, but I have heard that um, that African American parents ha- start life having to knowing that will have to be more honest yes. with their children <laughs> than the rest of the world. So I can only assume that would apply to vision loss. You know, right? Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> exactly. So it was. It was just straight I
0: applaud your father actually. That's some that's some real courage to be that honest with a seven year old.
1: Yes. And I still couldn't grasp it, but I knew then I always gotta work hard. You know, I can never be average. This I mean in every area of my life. I gotta get A's, you know, B's yeah. and C's are unacceptable. You know, mm-hmm. I got to always be good out, you know, so that kind of started drilling into me. So then um Having that on my shoulders, <laughs> that big, <laughs> that big dose of reality, I moved. I switched to a visual, uh, Skinner Elementary where they specialize in blindness. So there, uh, they put me on large print at first, and I, I, I could see it, but it took took me. So think about a first grader who's still learning, you know, A is A I, I, B bug, you know, like you still learning letters.
0: Yeah. So to, yeah, To put
1: that together, trying to read, sound out words, all that. And I'm visually well blind. I'm reading it slow. It would take me about 40, 50 minutes to read one page. So what happens by the time I got to the end of the page, I would have forgot what I read at the beginning. So I yeah. couldn't remember, right. Because it, it took me so long. So after a while, they switched me to Braille, uh, the teacher. And then I was able to read a little faster and grasp things much easier. So the way beat baseball comes into my life is very, very significant and profound. Okay. Um, so from six to nine years old, I'm angry. I'm an angry kid. I mean, I'm learning braille, but I'm still angry. I I don't like blind people. I don't like sighted (laughs) folks. (laughs) I'm I'm beating up my little cousins because they can see I'm getting mad, throwing them down. Step. I had a lot of anger issues, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I got you. Right, but at the age of nine, I got introduced to beat baseball. So this guy named Tommy Pike came to the Chicago. Uh, he works with the Chicago Park District, and they came to my school and was just introducing different sports. And one of them was beat baseball, and it was he put this beeping ball in my hand. It was like a softball that had a speaker in it. And, yeah, I just fell in love. I fell in love with I can hit a ball when the ball is pitched to me. I could tackle a base because a base is four feet tall. So it has foam around it. So when you hit it, it don't hurt you. But I was able to run again without someone telling me stop. and No, <laughs> you're going to hurt yourself. And yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it's like running into a, like running into a store mannequin, except <laughs> it has a. It, Except it has a siren or a beeping noise of its own so that you know exactly. where it is. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it just changed my life. I tell everyone beat baseball saved my life because without beat baseball, I don't know where I would have been, where I'll be right now in my life. OK, because it's like it, it gave me this opening, this opportunity to a be competitive. And that's always been me. As I mentioned before, I was very into sports. Michael Jordan was my hero, you know. All of yep. this stuff, I used to like to wrestle, I used to race. all of this stuff. So it, it, it fed that competitive nature. Um, and then it was also, it allowed me to be a kid again. I was able to run, I was able to compete. I felt equal again. So I just grabbed onto the sport and I just totally ingested it. Like it just became a part of who I am. Um, I had some background in softball because my parents were both softball players. So they used to take us out to their games. So I, I meant I was totally into the game. I used to see my mom was a pitcher. So I saw how she pitched the ball. My dad and mom pitched. And then I would see how they, how they would line up at the plate, how they held, they bat, all that. So when I went into to beat baseball, I was kind of like a natural, you know, hitter because I just imitated <laughs> what I saw my parents do before I lost my vision.
0: Right. And I did, became, you, did your parents ever pitch to you in a game?
1: Not in the game, but they used to go pitch to me in the backyard. Um Uh-oh, and help me work been, on my that, swing and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would have been so cool. Um <laughs> I I haven't I haven't played much beat baseball, but I, I'm familiar with the rules. But one of the things that, for people who don't know is um, the pitcher's goal is to throw the ball to you where yes, you can. They're working hit it. for you. They're working for you. So that's why I asked if her mom or dad had ever pitched to her because to me that would have been so cool. Uh, so,
1: but yeah, they, they will just pitch for me in the back, you know, in my backyard really. But um, it just every year from nine years old to I graduated grammar school, 14, I was playing beat baseball and I just totally, totally fell in love with it. Like I just, that was the high point of my summer. It came around every April. We'll usually have a big game in June and they will let all the kids play. So it was kind of minor, like minor league, but I was the star. Okay. <laughs> I mean, them, I, they had me in the middle, you know, playing the middle of the field. Cause I was so fast and I could like run up on balls and pick them before you know, before a kid got to the base, yeah. you know, yeah. and the only yeah. times the kids would score if it was hitting away, hit away from me to someone else because they didn't want you to run. And it, it, it was like a, a dad, it was not the major league B baseball, it was little league. So I couldn't run over and help. And, you know, it was like if they called your name, you know, that's who went for the ball.
0: Right. So right. Yeah. I, um, did
1: that. I, I, I did that for years. And then, um, one of my, a couple of my friends, they went to the Chicago Comets, which is the professional beat baseball team here in the city. So they told me like, hey, man, Keith, you gotta come to this this team. You know, this is real beat baseball. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So I came out to practice when I was 16. Um, and I just felt, well, for, the first time we meet in the Comets when I was 14, maybe 12, I think I was 12. They came out just to see, you know, to see us play and kind of work with us right. and I was super mad that they beat us I mean this is a grown-up team and they was playing <laughs> little kids so they was playing around with us at first they were not really scoring so you know I was picking up I was like yeah we got a chance but then they unloaded on us right <laughs> and it just crushed me I was so uh, mad I used to yeah. hate to lose I could not lose I hated to lose so yeah. after the game, they was like, "Man, they." Some of the players walked up to me. They said, "Hey, you're real good." I said, like, "Yeah, oh, cool, whatever." Kind of like that. I was like, "Man, I'm <laughs> all off, you know." so, what okay, they were doing so was a couple of years.
0: So so a few years later, you're going to the to the Comets, and what yes. happened then?
1: From there, I just I grew my beat baseball talent. I I just my confidence grew. I had to learn how to play defense because it was totally different from the major leagues and regular beat baseball. You have zones, um, one through six, that cover each side of the field. So you have two spotters, what they call spotters in the field. You have six blindfolded defenders. The spotters are sighted people, sighted volunteers, and they're also on the defensive team, okay? So they know the players, they know your zone, you know, all that. So when a ball is hit, they will call a zone, one through six. And then we'll all converge on that zone, but just at different levels. So we're not colliding with each other. So I had to learn how to do that um how that learn how to the defensive zones how to properly dive too um because (laughs) I never played goal ball until recently um but you had to get a defensive stand like position so you're on the ground stretched out hand in front of you you know hand in front of your face stretched out to block the ball you know, your legs closed, toes pointed, you're leaning kind of forward. If the ball hits you, it'll bounce in front of you as opposed to behind you. So it was all these different techniques I learned. And I you just fell in love with it.
0: Yeah. You mean you're supposed to keep your hands in front of your face?
1: You, uh, proper technique yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, one hand in front of your face. Yeah. But if you don't got, I have caught a lot of balls to the face because I wasn't in proper position, but I got that out. So I didn't care. You know yeah. we always say on the comments, hey, get the get the play with we'll to your injury later, how <laughs> like a joke <laughs> like. <laughs> so uh
0: um, like approach so, yeah, so. it
1: was just amazing and i I've been with the comments twenty years now, and uh, I'm one of the, t- the top female players in the league, and uh for years, I was the only female player on the Comets. but I still competed with them like i I was started on the comments for years over all the you know uh, other men you know, I made it to the starting lineup, which is such a, that is such a compliment, because in beat baseball, in the, uh, the league i play in is the National Beat Baseball Association, it's 90% male, okay, so it's not many females, so when I started, I would always try to find other females in the league, like, hey, man, you know, we like a small group here, we got to stick together, now, um, Lately, it has been an explosion of women in the league, which I am loving. I'm loving it. Um, more women are coming out to play. Uh, we're making more efforts for women to play. And we even got, a, it's going to be an all-female woman team starting, a professional woman's team starting um, next year. Um, so it's, it's, it's amazing to see how much inroads women have made into this game. Hey, I always say, you know what, girls can play too. We're just as tough as you guys. It might be tougher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
0: the 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 important thing, or a couple of things that a couple of things about beat baseball is unless it's changed, there's only like six players on a starting lineup for a team. So exactly. So, and for a team like the Comets, I imagine there are probably two or three players for each starting spot. So the yes. fact that you're a regu- the fact you've been a regular starter for so long just sh- shows how good you are
1: yeah and believe me i had to compete to get those positions you know on my team it was no biases hey you had to do all the drills just as good as everyone else right so i had to compete and beat them out <laughs> to get it um but yeah. you know for years it took me i mean i didn't just start off as a starter so it took me years to get into that that lineup but I mean I I absolutely love I love playing and any you guys anybody on my team I always I'm just I'm like always talking on the field I love lifting my teammates up if I'm not on the field because for years I was on the bench so I always make that good statement you know that good talk and good promotional speech about bench players how you know what everyone's always looking at starters but bench players we have to be mentally involved in the game from start to finish We got to know and just be ready to go at any moment. So to me, I feel bench players got to be mentally more in tune and tougher than people in the starting lineup. And Mm -hmm. um, this approach was just it guided me all my life. And in 2003, Chicago Commons, we won the championship. And this was the first time in the beat baseball history that a Chicago team had won a beat baseball tournament, national tournament. And I had a big role in that. I wasn't starting at the time okay so I was 19 and we had man you know the starting lineup was packed with talent up and down the line okay but one of our guys in the championship game so the way it works you have to beat a team It's double elimination so you got to lose twice so going into the championship game on Saturday we had already lost once so to win a championship game we got to beat this team twice which was the west coast dogs and they were a stacked team. I mean, they are Paralympians, just all of this stuff, okay? Going against the Comets, who we, we're we a good team, but we're not Paralympians. All we had was each other and we practiced together. The the uh, West Coast Dogs, they were kind of like, they came from all over the country and just came together for that tournament to practice. And, and, and they usually, just to tell you how good they was, they will win. They won for several years and they never really practiced t- together until they got, to the World Series. So that was just amazing. But the Chicago team, us Commons, we practiced every Saturday, four hour practices. So we was together, we jailed. Um, so anyway, getting back to that championship game, my it was it was the first game, maybe the third inning, and we were, I, I think we was tied six six or something. It's only six innings in a the game. Then my teammate he went to get a ball in the field and blew out his knee. Okay, yes. And he was pulled out and, you know, um, my coach came to me, he said, Keek, you're in. Just no thought, nothing. Like, and I was like, wow, me? You know, and at this time, you know, I'm still kind of nervous. I'm really hyper, I'm like, I got high energy. So I said, okay. So I went in the field we finished that out you know we got the last out to retire the inning we came up to bat i was second lineup the second person to go up to bat so the first person in front of me he scored then i came up to the plate okay and i hit the ball and i took off running to the base okay took off running and i tackled the base and i remember laying on the base and i was like then i score and i heard the comments cheering doing our cheer So what happened was it was a short ball I hit. Oh, mind you, I'm a woman. So when they say female player up, everyone step in 10 feet. Okay. (laughs) So everyone stepped in. So I hit the ball and I had a pretty good swing, a strong swing for them. Okay. I hit the ball and the guy who ran up on it, he picked the ball up but was trying to show off. And stood up with the ball, but the ball slipped out his hand and bounced six, seven feet away. And as he was going for the ball, I was tackling the base, and <laughs> they <laughs> they couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah, and, for- uh, we're good. We're good friends now. The guy that I scored on, his name is Neil. He always said, "I I just couldn't believe it. Like you know, it slipped out my hand. You know, it it was just, it was it was rare that a woman would score, and I did. And that, yeah. um, that kept our, our, us rolling. That kept the offense rolling. And we ended up going into the last inning um, up 10, 10 to 7, okay? So we in the field. We got to beat this team to go to a second game so we could have a chance to win the championship. So, um, you know, the dogs they started having a rally. They started scoring on us, you know? Yeah. So, I you've never been in a personal situation like that when you're in a championship game, your own defense, and the team is rallying back, okay? And a ball was hit, and it just got past. It came to two outs. We needed one more out, and this was one of their fastest guys up. He was a Paralympian, okay? And he hit just a little dinker, a little dinker ball, and it just somehow got past my short guy in front of me, past his fingertips. And then... It, I
0: rolled it, it. Slowed up and hit me in the foot, and I picked the ball up, and I got the last out, and that sent us into the second game. Yeah. Hello. And uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah, so. and yeah. And for and for for people who aren't familiar, when you're on defense in the baseball game, um, when you get the ball, you pick the ball up above the ground, and right. you say that you have it or that you've got it. Right. And the umpire will look, and if you have If you have control of the ball and it's above the ground, they will say that the runner is out. And so the person was trying to show off by standing up and then raising the ball because he didn't need to do that to to get you out.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, And it slipped out his hand. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. um, So we ended up, like I said, we won that game. I got the last out to retire the game and, when I got that ball, my I, I picked up the ball. I couldn't even believe I got it. I said, ball? Like, you know, I just picked the ball. <laughs> and they called the guy out. Everyone, my teammates ran to me, lifted me up in the air. They act like we won the championship. We just made it. We beat them, so now we got to win again. But they lifted me in the air, and it was just crazy. So then that second game, we ended up beating the dogs. They was deflated. We beat them 8-3, and the Chicago won the championship. And that's always my story to people Coming off the bench, hey, I wasn't a starter, okay? i worked just as hard as the other starters in practice, but I wasn't one. And on the team, everyone knows their role. And I was on the bench, but I came in, I was able to lift my teammate up who got an injury. And we ended up winning that game. And that was so magnificent. And as it shows you, hey, we are all a team. Every person on the team is important, you know? So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's one of my greatest beatball stories.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good story. It's a very good story. It's a shame it didn't happen in the championship game because then, right. you know, then, you know, uh, you know, because, you, you know, then you have, you know, pretty much the, the the beat baseball equivalent of, of you know, two outs in the ninth, and you right. basically, you basically take, you know, you're stealing out from somebody. You yeah, know?
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, so, look, y'all, I'm talking with uh, Kalari Gertley, and she is a uh, mother of three who happens to be visually impaired. She's her, her husband is also a blind. Uh, she's SB award winner, beat baseball player. Uh, and she is part of the ORCAM, uh, dream team. You can find her at on Twitter at Gertley Kalari. And yes, I will put that in the show notes. So y'all don't have, so I don't have to spell it for you. Cause I would probably get it wrong. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're talking about this. So uh, I told you before we started recording that if I didn't ask you um, how you and your husband have managed to raise three kids with both of, you, both of you being blind, that I'd probably get emails. So, would you talk a little bit about being a parent and being a
1: parent? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, they, my babies are like, my heart beats. Okay. Um, my husband, I met him. Remember I told you about how I went to Skinner, right? That school. So I met him there. So he was nine. I was seven and we just became friends. So we've been friends since we was kids, me and my husband. Right. So, (laughs) um, we, um, met there and just kept our friendship going throughout the years. And, uh, about no, I don't know, 10 years ago, we started dating and, you know, got married. So, We are blind parents over sighted children. Yes, it's uh, none of our kids are visually impaired, um, so they all can see. My oldest daughter, she wears glasses because she has astigmatism. But that goes back to remember I was telling you the Gertleys all had something wrong with their eyes. I was just the only one I came out legally blind. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's a Gertly trait, but it's been it's 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 a challenge. It can be a challenge. Um. We're at the stage, so uh, my da- my daughter's 13 and my son, he's 13. Now, my son, he's my stepson. Okay. So, but my daughter and my son, they're two months apart. And because me and my husband are friends all our lives, they kind of always knew knew each other, you know?
0: <laughs> okay. So
1: um, now, you know, they're brother and sister. But yeah, it, it, it's a little challenging, but we make it work. It's a lot of organization. It's a lot of staying on top of things. My big thing is... Um, school, so we're at the age our kids kind of you know I don't know if you did this, but the, you know you kind of test your parents. Did you finish your homework? Yeah, I finished my homework. No, you didn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, especially my daughter. She can be a little sneaky. I have to always go behind her and check. And how do I do that? Um, we have Jaws voiceover. We have uh, NVDA on all the.
0: Those are, screen, those are screen reader or text-to-speech readers for y'all.
1: Yes, we have that on all our devices that the kids work on. We have tab- tablets, um, like we use iPads in the house. And then, um, you know, they all, both our kids, they all got their Chromebook, which I'm able to use software on. It's installed, but you know how you just enable it so it don't, it's not on all the time. So I go behind them, I check um, to make sure things are submitted. And then I also have a, a lot of their work that do now is through Google Classroom. And it's an app you can use on your phone, which is beautiful with the iPhone, okay? So I'm able to check easily from my phone. I can check now. I can see what's assigned and if it's been turned in. Um, I also got all my kids' teacher's information. I'm one of those parents, I'm hands-on. Give me your cell phone number. I will call you. Call me if my child is missing something. I will call you if I got questions. You know, uh, I'm a hands-on parent like that. I love it I love it'cause
0: it because it, you're basically saying not only am I a good parent, but I'm an excellent parent, and the vision the vision at loss has nothing to do with that stuff, right, you know? exactly. I love it. <laughs> so,
1: and yeah as, and
0: so I'm guessing you're one of the few parents that actually likes the the at home learning and the zoom yes, classrooms yes. and stuff um, yeah,
1: because I'm able to see a lot what's going on, you know, and it's just amazing um. Although my, my daughter do want to get back to in-school learning. So we'll see here in Chicago, they might be talking about um, January, or, you know, before right. they can see. They, right. But, but I, I'm not sure. You know, that's another topic. You know, everything going on, <laughs> our numbers is rising. I don't know. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah.
0: well, hope, hopefully, though, the, the, the teachers and the students and the parents will have had such a good experience with some of these virtual platforms. That they'll keep using them even when people go back to the classrooms because uh, I'm sure that it's not just you that it makes things easier for, but I'm sure it makes it easier on the teachers having all the work submitted through Google Classroom. Yes,
1: I think it's easier for everybody. You know, <laughs> so I
0: mean, just you know, they they can they can they can let them little butts go back to school if that's what they think is good, but just let them take all that electronic stuff with them because that classroom <laughs> stuff works. Is that good. Google Classroom, whiteboard, whatever it is, you always use it. I mean, uh, so so that's good. What about uh, household chores? Uh, cooking, oh, yes. So with that, um, clothes, that sort of stuff. All
1: right, clothes. Let's start there. So I have, like I said, my two thirteen year olds, but I now I also have a three year old. So look, I started all over. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> and believe me, every child is different. So when my big kids, they was younger. They was very mild-mannered kids. They didn't run off. They didn't, you know, it's kind of like they did kind of like what they was told. They always stood next to me and my husband, Chris, you know, we held hands, all of that. Um, So they was very obedient. Even when we would go to public places like playgrounds and all that, they'll go play. I'll I'll sit on the bench and I'll just call their name, you know, every few minutes and we're good, you know they'll answer back <laughs> now when they was little, of course, I' would follow them around, but as they you know became five and six, you know that's a little bit more independent as long as you answer me i don't care now yeah. this this new child this this second child she's a different brand I don't know set <laughs> this, this like this i don't know it's in the what? i don't know this she is totally different from the big kids she's a runner, okay uh I have to kind of put a leash on her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, honestly, listen, I used to pride myself... what parent
0: hasn't thought about it? At least once.
1: (laughs) I used to pride myself on one of the parents that were like, oh man, no, I'm not going to leash my kids. No, this one, I have to leash because she will run off and think it's a game that you're chasing her. I remember one time she got loose and it was on a sidewalk and I raced after her and I dove after to catch her, you know, before she ran into the street and I grabbed, I was able to grab her shirt, you know, and it was yeah. just scary, you know? Um, yeah. So uh, I leash her. <laughs> as far as matching up clothes, I safety pin everything. I try to keep neutral colors. I did this when the kids was younger also. My big kids. Um, Keeping neutral. Blue jeans go with everything, okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> black goes with everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I kept kind of neutral colors. Um, even my daughter, like I said, she, she liked, bright colors, so pink and all that. But I always kept up with either blue jeans or black bottoms, right? So no matter what, she's always looking decent. She's matched up, okay? So I safety yeah. pin things, safety pin clothes, safety pin socks. I try to get all white socks, okay? Get all that co- all right. different colored socks. Yeah. Now that really? my daughter, my big girl is older, she's a teenager. If she wants not yeah. color socks, that's fine. As long as she matches them, she can do whatever. I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah. the trend now is to wear Mitch Mac socks, I guess, you know, but... <laughs> But that's her well, responsibility. You know,
0: well, you know the thing is is, is in my opinion the, the answer there is one of two choices for her, that, you know, she can she can either well, maybe three choices, she can either go mismatched, um uh she can wash her own socks or <laughs> or she can get one of those clips that you probably that you probably used and, and 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 hook her whatever colored socks together so that they come back to her, you know.
1: Right. But look, I, I make it her responsibility. I said, listen, you know, because you're a young lady now. And I was talking to tell my son to same. you're a young man. You got to learn this stuff. And, you know, you guys are 13. I want you to have your own expression, you know, like whatever. But I mean, still want you to look, you know, if you want mismatched socks, okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of let them match their own stuff. As far as with the big kids, it's still the same thing. My older son, I get a lot of blue jeans, everything go with blue jeans. Um,
0: yeah.
1: my daughter, she's kind of she's a little fashionista, uh my 13 year old. She is really creative. So she likes to pick out her own stuff. I just like to feel the fabric. If I like how it feels <laughs> we can move on. And um she likes to match up things. But we still keep it simple, like you know, dark color pants, you know, dark color dresses, you know, different type of shirts, you know, um that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah House okay. chores. Now that, um, me and my husband, we have things labeled, like we have our washer and dryer labeled with the raised dots to help us. We have our dishwasher labeled. And we have the big kids for the most part, you know, they wash the dishes, they put them away. Um, and I just, you know, they're teenagers. I got to stay them about their room. So what I do, <laughs> what they used to do, my daughter. <laughs> What she used to do to me when she was younger, she would clean where I normally would walk. Okay. <laughs> it
0: makes sense. It makes sense if she can't, if, if, if you can't see it or trip over it, it ain't
1: there. <laughs> it's clean, right? Yeah. So she will clean where I'm usually walking, but then I trip her and i go walk in the corner. Then boom, I'm walking all up on a pile of clothes. I'm walking up a mountain. I said, Keon, what's up with this? She didn't think, you know, they didn't think you would go there. Or I had to go under her bed. Like, okay, like now okay, your room is clean. Then I'll just get down and put my hand on the bed and boom. Hey, you know, guess what I find? I'm finding shirts, pants, <laughs> that <laughs> and type what, of stuff. And then what about food? Uh, food. Um. So in my um kitchen, I have everything labeled with Braille. So I got my seasonings labeled. I have my canned goods labeled. And a lot of that uh, kind of ties in, you know, with OrCam helped me out with a lot of that
0: too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a good transition for right. OrCam <laughs> because it it is a it is a wearable that allows you to read things, anything from like uh, letters to packaging to it. I understand it will even read signs and things like that. So. Uh, why don't you tell people more about what OrCam is and what you use it for, and, and okay. you know what it what it can do, what it can't do, and then we'll talk a little bit about this dream team that you're part of okay. in collaboration with Messy.
1: Okay. No problem. So the OrCam, uh, like you said, it's a wearable device. It has you wear a pair of glasses, and it's like a three to inch like um, camera that attaches to the side. It's a magnet on the glasses that attach to the camera, so you wear them. So you can just tap the side of the camera and it takes a picture and it'll tell you what's in front of you. So if it's a person in front of you, it'll say a older male, a younger male, an older woman, younger woman. Um, you can program the names in there. So now my kids, you know, when I got it on, it says Kiana, Kayla, little Chris, big Chris. Big Chris is my husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm I'm so I I, I'm
0: Maxwell I'm Maxwell Junior. So I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Right. <laughs> so um, we have I have face recognition in it, so I'm able to recognize things, it didn't recognize products. So um, going back to my kitchen, me and my husband, we just recently bought our our first home last October, so we've been in our house for a year. So during COVID,
0: huh? I'm Congratulations, sorry. that's Thank a big deal. So I mean. It is. A, it is. I mean, it's becoming really hard for people to purchase new homes in this country. So, yeah, uh, that's a, that's a big thing. And don't, you know, don't gloss over that. So y'all are homeowners. Congratulations. Yes. Are homeowners. Big deal.
1: Yes. <laughs> so um doing the recent shut in of shelter in place. Um, I was able to start working remotely. So I, I was able to be in my house, a, you know, a lot. So I had a lot of time. So I was able to kind of organize my house. So I was able to, with the OrCam, I organized the kitchen. I I was able to get my canned goods, you know, things that I didn't have labels on. I was, the glasses identified for me. I put a label on them. I got all my seasonings and uh, canned goods in alphabetical order. I got um, the closets the closets in the house, organized, because the the glasses, they also help you identify colors. So I got, you know, in my daughter's closet, uh, my baby girl, because like I said, the oldest daughter, I kind of give her freedom to, you know, kind of pick what she want, right? Right. Um, but my youngest daughter, I got, you know, pink, you know, pink to the left, blue to the right, green to the, you know, just different, okay. where OrCam was able to help me with that. Um, and also I use it for reading, reading mail, especially, um, cause before I, I used to make my kids read it. Uh, and then to me, it was like, Hey, you know, I'm helping you. Cause you need to learn how to read anyway. This is reading skills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just consider this extra credit, you know, Exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm preparing you. So we'll have the kids read it. And then it was, you know, um, as time progressed, different apps came available. Um, that we was able to use, but you had to pay for these, right? So yeah. we'll use the kids, you know, and, they, and they'll read it. Um, so now I'm able to read my own mail. I'm able to uh, read just everything that comes to the house. And even if I just pick up a book that's not Braille, I just point to it and it reads the whole page to me. So yeah. um, this come in handy when I'm reading to my baby girl now. Um, so I have some Braille books, but I have mostly print. You know I'm trying to increase my braille book uh collection, and um, but you know a lot of it's not, so I'm able to read to her the book yeah. and not make up stories when I was young when my oldest daughter was younger, I used to pretend read to her like was <laughs> like okay, so I was like, Princess, such a such you know I, I don't know whatever the book is, I'll just make a story of it, you know, yeah. and like okay. nice okay. as she got bigger, she's like. I might be talking about I don't know flying, flying zebras or something, and she's like, "Mommy, but it's dogs on the page." Like, okay, <laughs> flying dogs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then I'm like, "Oh, and then and then the secret tower." No, mommy, it's a playground. Okay, the secret playground. You know, like. So um, now I'm able to read to my daughter, and it's it's cool. It's really really cool. I this is I'm so blessed to have the ability to have this device. And um honestly, it was it was how I got selected to be a part of the dream team was very um on accident. I was here at the Lighthouse, uh, Lauren and niece, she's uh she works here at the Lighthouse. She um I guess it was a orcam they sent out a email or something saying about a, a worldwide contest going on where if you submit a 2-minute video just talking about your path, your love for sports, your passion for sports and technology, if they like it, you'll get selected to get a free trip to Barcelona, Spain. Okay? Yeah. So I said, okay. Um, Lauren, you know, she sent it to me at the Lighthouse. So I I did a two-minute video really quick. I talked about my passion for beatball. And when, when I started talking about beatball, Maxwell, it just the passion flows <laughs> out because it just it is me i love people like so i could talk about it forever so i'm really passionate and then at the end i say yeah and technology i use it to i forgot what i said i was like technology is really important because it helps level the playing field for vi- visually impaired and blind People. Yeah, you said
0: the stuff you expected them to want to hear on the right. technology side of it. I got exactly.
1: You. But maybe a minute and a half was me talking about beatball, my passion for <laughs> it. <birthday. Right. laughs> and then I threw in 30 seconds about technology. So I was like, OK. And then a week later, I got notified alone that they selected me to go to Barcelona, Spain. And we're going to be meeting um
0: well,
1: not meeting they it was like it may it's, it's rumors that you may meet someone famous you know what
0: they did they, they was keeping Yeah, they, yeah no but, yeah but see now here's the thing if it, had, if it had been me and i'm thinking i'm going to barcelona spain are you still hearing me
1: yeah I okay. you.
0: all right if it'd been me and i'm thinking i'm going to barcelona spain this is all around sports there's only one sports celebrity in barcelona spain <laughs> Although, although Cristiani Rinaldi might disagree with that these days, but, um, <laughs> but you know, they're, so they didn't let you know who you were going to go meet, just that it was, uh, possibly some celebrity over there. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. But honestly, I was just happy. I was going to Barcelona, Spain. I'm not, <laughs> so
0: I maybe, agree with you. I'm- this
1: famous celebrity is a bonus, but I've never been to Europe. So yeah. this, <laughs> I, it was it, it, and it was put together so quickly. Um, like it was a matter of I don't know a few weeks, maybe a month before I knew I was packing up going to Spain. So um, we was able to go, and the flight over there was wonderful. We got there and it was amazing. Um, being in Barcelona, Spain, um, just soaking in all the culture, soaking in everything you know over there. Um, the the food was old. It was okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think we didn't hit the right restaurants or something. Uh, but it was very it was eye-opening, eye-opener to be over there. And one funny story, while I was over there, um, the Super Bowl was happening here in the United States. So um, we, I think, uh, I think we were like seven hours ahead of the uh, United States. I think, I think that was like... Bar- yeah,
0: that's right. That's, yeah. that's So it's, uh, I remember going... Six, it's seven hours ahead of Chicago, at, okay. at least.
1: Yeah. So I remember going to like uh, in the lobby and I said, uh, you know, I was talking to the 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 desk clerk and the people, uh, the bartender, because it was a bar down there. I said, hey, can you turn to the Super Bowl? they was like, what's that? I said, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, it's like um, Americana foo- football. There's "Oh, football. I said, like, no, 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 because soccer is over there. It's football, too, right? I was like, no, 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 American football. And he was like, what channel was it on? So actually, I was like. I don't know. So I tried to Google it. I ask, asked Siri on my phone, you know, all that stuff. Um, but they couldn't find it. So I was pretty kind of sad, you know, how to get to see the Super Bowl. Because, you know, that's like a national holiday here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there it is.
1: Yeah. The halftime show, all that. I was like, man, you know, I found out in the morning who won. But it was kind of sad. My first time to see the Super Bowl. But it was just amazing being over there. Um and then when we got to meet uh Leo Messi, that was magnificent. It was just life-changing. The first thing I remember thinking was, oh wow, he's kind of short. You know, when we <laughs> hugged <laughs> up, but to be that small and be that athletic, like, okay, you know. And then uh, I was able to here at the lighthouse. So um, as you know, I worked for the Chicago Lighthouse, and that's why I went over there with, with, with the Dr. Janet Slick, who's the CEO of the Lighthouse, and also uh, Lauren Anise. So here at the Lighthouse, we have a saying saying, um, thank you for, welcome to the ORCAM universe, because they're trying to really push, it's a lot of employees here that's wearing ORCAMs and getting experience out of it. So um, before, before we knew who it was, I already knew I was like, man, you know, I'm gonna try to get him to sign, you know, sign some stuff for the lighthouse, the celebrity. And also maybe sign a beat ball. I took a beat baseball over there with me. Cause they said bring, you know, bring your anything sports related, you know, your sport. Yeah. So I took a beat a beat baseball over there. Yeah. So I was able uh, we had all these big plans what we was gonna what I was gonna say to Leo Messi, all this stuff, right? After we found yeah. out who was meeting. Yeah. Uh, but then we found out he he don't speak English. Okay. So <laughs> so I was like, you know what? On our way to go meet Leo Messi that morning, we all loaded on a bus who was going to a studio. Me and 11 other athletes and um, you know, their their uh partners. So, I, I was like, well, I'm I'm going to learn how to say thank you for being a part of the Orca universe in Spanish. So, I text my friends here, um that work here at the Lighthouse actually. I said, yeah. um, I said, how do you say this in Spanish and send me an audio message? So I told them what I wanted. They sent the audio message back to me. It was my um, friend Juan and also my friend Jose. They both sent it back to me and I was um, practicing it. You know, on my way to go see it. I kept, okay. I, I, all right. I guess I got everyone, you. Yeah, everyone around me probably looked like I was talking to myself, but I was just whispering it, whispering it, whispering it. You know, I'm trying to get it down, trying to get the words right. So when I got a chance to meet Leo Messi, we, we took a picture and then I, I I whispered in his ear, I said, you know, I, I said in Spanish, thank you for being a part of OrCam Universe. And he said, gracias, gracias, and hugged me again. So I said, okay, it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> apparently,
0: yeah. apparently, I got it right, or at least exactly. I didn't get it very wrong, you know? Um. Exactly.
1: So yeah, it was that, that was amazing meeting him. But the other highlight, I mean, in addition to getting this magnificent piece of t- technology, in addition to meeting this world-famous uh, biggest athlete in the world, because, I mean, people was crying when they met him, you know, which. He, I, is,
0: I, he is bigger than Jordan, to help you oh, understand it.
1: I don't know. Like, I think,
0: he, is, I, okay. he is. He uh, is. <laughs> but. Jordan did introduce a lot of the world to basketball that never knew what it really was before. So, right.
1: <laughs> but, and, no. you know, but people were so moved. And um, the highlight to me, in addition to all that, was meeting all the other blind athletes. So, I and one other young lady represented the United States. So only two people represented the, the United States. Um, her name is Bailey and she's from Iowa. Coincidentally, she played baseball too, but she's also, she's trained to be a Paralympian. Okay. All right. So, well, yeah, yeah um, I'm going
0: to be talking to Bailey next week, actually. I don't oh, know okay. what the time delay will be between your conversation and hers, but, but yes, um, she's been scheduled for, I think next Thursday afternoon I'm going to, or next Tuesday, I'm going to be talking with Bailey. And so, you know, uh, my guess is we'll probably talk more about her goals of Paralympian than we will beat baseball, since we've talked so much about beat baseball oh, with right. you. But, <laughs> but you know, that's 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 you know that's the fun of being a, of doing these shows. Is I learn things as I'm going, or re- reminded of things that I may have forgotten about. So, so it's great meeting some of the other athletes besides yeah. uh, besides <laughs> Bailey, who's a Paralympian. What are some of the others from right. around the world that stood out with you?
1: Um, it was this one young guy. His name is uh, I see it's slipping my mind, but he he is a um tri a triumph um
0: triathlete?
1: Yes. Um yeah. we have one of those
0: Israel. here in Houston. That's how I know that's how I could say that word.
1: Okay. Oh, and he's from Israel. Um or uh oh, that's his name. Oren. And he go. was amazing, his spirit, everything. I was so moved by him just, just to hear his story, how he became blind. It was just, wow, you know? Um, yeah. He stood out, it was another um, a great girl, her name is uh, Caroline from France, she was a dancer. She just had just a great spirit to her. Um, and her brother Jeremy, um, she loves to dance and everything. And I remember talking to her and I said, how'd you like meeting, um, how did you like meeting, um, and she's like, oh, that's cool. But you know, it's hard for me to follow sports. You know, had it been Beyonce, I think I would have failed to the like, ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right, I like,
0: totally, uh, I totally understand that. I mean, because <laughs> some people sports is their whole world and some people dance and entertainment is their world. So I totally get it. But, um, so, that, the I'm 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 very really grateful that you talked about the other people you met because I'm sure a lot of people when they hear that, you know, y'all are tied to messy, it's going to be messy, 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 or you know, it's like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha from the from the Brady bunchers. But uh, the thing that, that that what you just said leads me into a question, and that is, do you believe that for the most part? And I'm sure there are just as many exceptions to what I'm about to say. But do you believe for the most part? that these athletes who have to have mental toughness to be successful, including yourself and beat baseball, do you believe that some of that comes from the vision loss?
1: loss? Um, it could, yeah, because I think, and as you know, as being visually impaired in this world, this sighted world. You got to be, you got to be mentally tough. You got to be tough. You know, I think it's just, it's a part of who we are, you know, and they just translated into, you know, their sports. And like I said, it, it was a, I mean, Maxwell, it was amazing. Listen, we all spoke different languages. We all had our interpreters, but we all understood that one unifying thing about being blind, right? That connected yeah. us. Even this is so funny. Even voiceovers, all the voiceovers <laughs> is in different languages, and they all super fast, right? Like everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have mine. only runs about sixty, but I've been around y'all, y'all uh, more accomplished blind people, and. Hear those screen readers talking so fast! I'm like, how do y'all understand them? I'm like, um, but one other comment I wanted to make before I forget is is that when I first started looking into this uh, Dream Team thing, and I thought, you know, how cool it was Messi was involved, and and I was wondering, you know, was it was it a publicity thing or was it really at his heart? And then I looked into his bio, and I realized that this is a kid from Argentina who. At one point in his life, nobody thought he would ever play you know soccer for his hometown team, much less be the greatest in the world so he while it wasn't vision loss or some sort of physical disability, he had to overcome this whole idea that that you no know, kid, why try because you're just not good enough, and you never will be you know you're physically not built to be a soccer great, and he basically has proved the entire world wrong and continues to do so so I just the more I learn about Messi, the more I'm like, yeah, he was the perfect guy to be part of this thing.
1: Yeah, it it was, it was very, I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was life changing, man. Just connecting with all those athletes and now and we're all Facebook friends. So we all kind of keep up with each other. And it, it was just that one, it was a magical moment. Like really that can never, I don't think it's ever, ever going to be duplicated in my life. Just. camaraderie. I felt like we was all on a team together, you know, so and we worked together and we all shared our love for all our sports. So I learned about blind soccer, which I had never heard. I mean, I have heard of it, but I never heard of it. You know, like I heard about it, but I never (laughs) knew about it. Yeah,
0: just like everybody knows there's soccer, but here in the U.S., we don't really know that there's soccer. I know what
1: you mean. (laughs) So you know, um just learning about was, all the other sports and all the other their stories and it just made you just like wow, you know, I'm so happy to be a part of this team. And you know, yeah. from that, I mean I've I've tried out blind soccer now and I I love it. I want to get better at it. It's challenging me it's, it's challenging me in ways that beat baseball could, And I and I love that, you know, because I'm always looking for the next challenge. So
0: right. well, my guess is with beep soccer, it's probably more of a of a of a challenge to 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 understand the spatial relationships of where you are on the on the pitch and where you are in relation to the other players and cooperating with the other players is probably a ge- geometrically more difficult than on the beat baseball field.
1: Yes, I, I yes. And that's the angle I'm still learning how to figure out, like how you don't run into each other, right? When you play. But um, yeah, it's it's or definitely how you don't there.
0: run off the field area. I mean that's
1: Yeah, now the the field is surrounded by these kickboards, right? So the ball will never go out of bounds. And I guess that's also if you run to the side, you know, you no one's running out of bounds. So well, in the that's ball hit these kickboards, it's going back in the middle of the field.
0: I see. So what you need to do is you need to do like like hockey players. And you need to you need to learn how to use those kick boards to help you maneuver exactly. <laughs> the ball down the field, you know, like, you know, just like bouncing a puck off the end boards in a hockey game. That's one of the things you need to practice that that might help you in a game sometimes. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was just it was just it was just amazing. I was just happy that I had that opportunity to go and to, and to represent the Chicago Lighthouse over there. That was amazing. Um, you know, uh, it it was just it was a great we was the only organization. Everyone else came um on their own. Like right. uh, but we was the only blind organization over there represented.
0: All right. So well that, look I, that, I I have I have really enjoyed talking with you, Kalari. Um I I try to respect the time of the people who come on my show, even if I feel like I could talk to them for another couple uh, of hours.
1: Well, let me well let me but talk before, about the Chicago lighthouse real quick. <laughs>
0: So before oh, well. we, so, so the, the one thing I, I want you to, to talk about, you can talk about the lighthouse too, but the one thing I want you to, to expand on is you mentioned always seeking a next challenge or opportunity. And I and I'm wondering where that comes from.
1: I'm always like looking for the next challenge.
0: Yeah. Where does that come from?
1: Ah, that's just me. It's always been me. I'm very super, super, super competitive. I mean, I'm competitive with myself. I gotta top myself. And I think that goes back to what my dad said. You know, I think it just kind of really he he put that in my head, and it kind of just manifests in me, right? I like I always gotta be better. I can never be average, so I always like to challenge myself. So as soon as I meet one goal, I gotta set another goal for myself to meet. So so give him a few
0: more. Yeah, (laughs) and and give him a few more words about the lighthouse, and then we will wrap this up.
1: Okay, Um, so the lighthouse. Uh, it's an amazing amazing organization. It was my first, now I have two, let me tell you real quick. B Baseball carrying to all these areas of my life gave me confidence. So I ended up getting two degrees. I got a bachelor's in journalism, a master's in media management, and uh, the Lighthouse was my first job I got. And as you know, it can be kind of hard, but it's hard for blind folks to work, right? to find employment. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I'm passionate about that blind people working because we can work. We want to yes. work. We just yes. need opportunity. And um, the Lighthouse gave me that opportunity and I have flourished here. I had my first job here, I have benefits. And now I've I worked in the call center here, but now I'm moving more back into my major, which I'm so totally happy about. I'm an like, uh, intern here in the marketing department also. And I'm helping um, expand our social media content and also uh, just able to write, which I'm super, super excited about. So the Lighthouse has really... They have changed my life. I owe a lot to the Lighthouse, especially giving me that work history because, you know, when you're applying for jobs, Maxwell, they're like, what's your work experience? Well, if, you, if you never had a job, you don't have it. And people don't want to take a chance <laughs> on you because you're blind, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and just a reminder, something, I don't consider myself an advocate, but, but I do like to remind people that when others complain about how many people are unemployed, they should yes. remember that even before COVID, the unemployment rate <laughs> among visually impaired people was seventy-five percent.
1: Exactly, exactly, and you know um, that's a newfound passion of mine. I, I want blind people to work. I always tell people I want to pay taxes. People run from paying. I want to pay taxes. I want to. And, and we made good
0: employees. We we are very loyal employees, just like right. we're, we're loyal customers too. As far as that goes, if a company will spend the effort to show us right. that they 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 care about us as a as a customer. We will give them our money, but yeah we 're loyal uh we're loyal workers we 're usually diligent conscientious workers yes and we we're also built built to fun, we are built in or born born solution finders on the job you know exactly, so we, <laughs> exactly. Are rare, we are rarely happy just doing what we 're told unless that's that's all you want from us if <laughs> Uh, but if you exactly. know if you give us if you give us any leeway into how to finish a job we will find you better ways to finish that job
1: exactly 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 you know so so that's my my thing and uh you know um I guess that's my personal man I, I'm very impact I'm passionate about it's like I'm passionate about beatball and spreading the word <laughs> and blindfolds then I'm passionate about blind people working because We the best. We we are the best workers. We're dependable. We're loyal. Just give us a shot, you know. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, that is so true and so great. And I think that's where we will end our conversation today. I really appreciate you coming on my show.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Well, I appreciate it, and hopefully, this will uh, not only help with the message of you and the Lighthouse and OrCam, but also maybe uh, encourage some of the other people that are part of this program to be willing to, to do a podcast interview, because, you know, I know that if you've never done these before, the idea can be a little scary, but uh, you did an amazing job on my show. I don't know if, if you've done other oh, podcast I love, interviews.
1: I love being in. I love interviewing. Even for the comments. Saw, they used to, they also Oh man, get, get Kiki, get Clara. She, <laughs> I love talking. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, it's just that passion just flows out of me, and I I I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, oh, thank good. you for allowing me to be on your show.
0: Well, it's my yeah. pleasure. It's um, uh, it's always great when I when I have you know wonderful guests with amazing stories to tell. So thank you so much for, for doing that. And uh, I'm sure we will talk again in the future.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Maxwell.
0: <laughs> All right, people, you know, you're having a great interview when you have to make yourself quit. And I really, sincerely, I had to do that today. I'm like, you know, I know Avi works at a marketing agency that represents Orcam. And I know that, uh, that Kalari, you know, she works at the Lighthouse. So, so she's got a job to get back to. And I really do, uh, hate to disrespect the time of the people who are willing to generously give of their time and share their stories on the podcast. So, very thankful to Avi and Kalari. Uh, this was a great episode of what's your excuse, which of course you can find it at the blindblogger.net or what's your excuse show.com. I uh, can't wait to get this out into the world. And, um, really happy with the feedback that I got from, uh, from Avi and from Kalari. It's, uh, as I tell people all the time, when you're a podcaster or a blogger or an author, sometimes good, sometimes positive comments are more valuable than cash. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. So let's talk about what we learned. Basically, um, Kulari was a young woman who didn't expect to lose her vision, had no signs it was going to happen, and all of a sudden, she's lost her vision and she's even blind. Um, she was very angry and, you know, acting against her, her family members and school, but then she finds beat baseball. She finds her passion and it becomes such a huge part of her life. It allows her to travel around the country and even, uh, even across the ocean to Barcelona, Spain to meet the legendary Leo Messi as part of the OrCam uh, Dream Team of, of athletes who are passionate about their sports, who are, are getting so much positive use out of the OrCam device. I'm very jealous. I would love to have one of them things for myself. Uh, but, you know, this is a great program. Uh, these people, they've overcome their not only their disabilities or their blindness, but they've also overcome the natural resistance of people around you uh, when you're wanting to compete in a sport, even a sport that's been adapted for the visually impaired, like beat baseball or blind soccer. Or blind cricket, which I recently just found out about as a sport, um, you know, she had to have the competitive spirit, which she had long before she lost her vision and and found beat baseball. Um, but just just listening to the joy, the passion, the the emotion, you know, just every minute she talks about beat baseball, you feel like you're, you know, you're you're you feel like you're standing in the sunshine on a queer day with warmth on your skin. You know, it's just that kind of feeling I get from her. And I think you, I think y'all are going to feel that too. So she found something. Hopefully y'all will find something. Maybe you'll share this with people, you know, who are visually impaired or losing their vision because, you know, being able to be active and to compete in a sport or be part of a team, those are things everybody wants to be. They want to have in their lives. Most everybody does. So hopefully we can introduce some people to the Lighthouse in Chicago and other lighthouse organization uh, facilities around the country different uh nonprofits that help the visually impaired uh and hopefully we can get people thinking about blind sports or supporting blind athletes or when covid's gone maybe attending a beat baseball game or a blind soccer game. So I'm just uh, so thankful I got to spend time with Uh, with Kalari and hear about her life and how she's overcome the challenges of vision loss, parenting, teaching, uh, work, sports, travel. Shoot, I didn't even get to ask her about traveling as a blind person. Um, Now I got an excuse to ask her back on the show. So uh, we learned so much And a lot of it is really about finding solutions. You know, before she had ORCAM, she was already labeling things and separating things by colors and organizing things by location. So there are always solutions to be found if you're willing to find them and willing to use them, even if they aren't, you know, what you would like to have the solution be. So I hope that uh, you got a lot from uh, Glory today. If nothing else, I hope you grabbed a little bit of her spirit, her intensity, her perseverance, uh, and take that out into your eyes. Because honestly, if Kalari can do it, then what's your excuse? Again, this is what's your excuse. You can find it at theblindblogger.net. You can also say, hey, Google, play what's your excuse, or Alexa, play what's your excuse. You, you can also find us on Roku at, at uh, we're at knobTV, K-N-O-B-TV. Hopeful to be on IBM TV soon. Uh, just lots of places you can find the show, but find it, watch it, listen to it, live it. Make it part of your day. And, oh, yeah, don't forget the sponsor, Tip Edwards, createmyvoice.com. Uh, without him, so many opportunities I would have would have missed over the last year. His His financial support as well as his emotional support have been unbelievable. So much uh, has uh, come into my life that's been great because of Chip and Pam Edwards and their association with the show at createmyvoice.com. And uh, I do hope that uh, we'll see you again soon, that um, you're staying safe, wearing your mask, maintaining the social distance washing your hands, all the things we know we're supposed to be doing that get hard after we do them a while. Hope y'all will continue to stay safe out there. So until next time, thank you and take care out there. This has been the blind blogger Maxwell Ivy. Oh, it's gonna be all right. All right. I want you to know that You've come a long, 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 long way, and you've still
1: got a long way to go.